Welcome to the Modern Husbands Podcast, where every other week we host national thought leaders to discuss how spouses can partner to manage money and the home together to live happier lives. Today's topic is money, men, and mental wellness, and we welcome in Lawrence Sprung. Lawrence is a certified financial planner and president of Midland Financial. He was named a top 100 advisor by Investopedia in 2021 and 2022. He serves on the national board of the American Federation for Suicide Prevention and sits on its financial and investment committees. With his wife, Denise, he has raised more than $1.5 million for the organization through the Keith Milano Memorial Fund. Welcome, Lawrence. Welcome, Lawrence. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good to have you. Yes, thanks, Dr. Bruce. Appreciate it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna start by by flipping the script here on you. Uh, you have an incredible podcast, and you focus on asking podcast guests and uh, this theme of what brings you joy. So, I want to start with you. What did you do today that that brought you joy? All right. Well, you're going to have to pay me a royalty for that because it is trademarked, but uh, I'll let you go go this time. But uh, yes, uh, my show, The Midland Money Mindset, we're all about joy. And uh, we end every show by asking each of our guests that same very question that you've now posed to me. And, um, you know, I I did two things today that uh, brought me joy. One was uh, physical and one was probably mental, I guess. Uh, You would say the physical was riding my Peloton. I, you know, enjoy getting 30 to 45 minutes, just uh, ride and get the heart going and racing and getting a good sweat up. And then the, uh, the second piece was when I get to the office, the first thing I do before I do anything else is I always write at least one thing that I am grateful for. And, um, you know, that is something that, uh, you know, gives me a lot of joy and both those things combined in, in my view. And for me is uh, a great way to start the day. So, uh, that's how I usually start it. Do you, do you start every day with, with exercise? No, most of the days I start, I end with exercise, uh, okay. just the, the way that, uh, I'm kind of hardwired, uh, you know, I, I enjoy getting up, getting out and get going. Uh, and then I typically, you know, my kids are 16 and 19, neither one of them live at home currently one's in college and one's in prep school. So I have no kids at home. So I, I get home, I put in a little exercise and then, uh, have dinner with my wife afterwards. So that's kind of my routine. I I love the the strategy of writing down what you're grateful for one thing each day. Do you do you have a board that you write it on so you see it? Do you write it somewhere in your desk? Where do you put it? So now I I've gone uh paperless as of about a couple of months ago like completely paperless and uh I use a remarkable and uh I have a uh, daily uh you know like a daily planner and uh in one of the pieces of the planner every day I write something that um I'm grateful for within that. And then usually at the end of the week I kind of go back to see what I wrote during the week just to kind of recap it and then even then at the end of the month and the end of the quarter kind of take a look at what uh, what happened over the course of the month and the quarter. I think that's, that's awesome. Great. There's two things in that, that one, writing it down makes it concrete, right? It makes it much more real than just kind of having these like thoughts that might not be totally succinct or together yet. But then that I love that reflection piece. And it's not just at the end of the day, you're doing, you say like you're doing at the end of the week, maybe at the end of the month, maybe 
even at the end of the year, kind of going back through these. Yeah, I love doing it, and uh, it's definitely helpful. And some days I write more than one, but I I try to only get at least at least one thing written down on a day to day basis. So, so talking about your podcast here, you know, we're just getting started here, um, but you've been doing this a little bit longer than us. Uh, how many uh, podcasts have you hosted? Do you think? And I guess kind of a follow up to that, based on what you have learned running that podcast, supporting your clients. What drives joy for most men? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. And if I uh, if I miss a piece, feel free to keep oh, yeah, me on a hook and, and bring me back to it. But uh, yeah, so our podcast, we just released uh, about a week or two ago, our hundredth episode that wow. went live. Congratulations. And, uh, Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was I was grateful to have uh, Ron Carson, the founder and uh, CEO of Carson Group, uh, who we're a part of. We're a partner firm to them as our as our guests. So it was awesome. And as a kind of special treat, we normally just do the audio. We actually did the video for that one as well. Um, and then I probably have about another 25 shows that are already in the can. So, you know, I've hosted 125 plus episodes, obviously 100, 101 or 102 have gone live. So uh, there's 20 to 25 more in the can that uh, are ready to be released and and are on the calendar. So uh, I am a planner through and through. I don't like being <laughs> under the gun for a last minute show. So I, I kind of keep them in and, and ready to go. So we have those available. And, you know, I, I really enjoy it. You know, I hear a lot of folks ask me, you know, do, what's the ROI on the show? You know, what's what's the return on investment? And and I, I have an idea of what we've gotten in terms of a return on investment. But I, I will tell you this, guys, I if the return on investment was zero and I didn't generate an ounce or an iota of business from the podcast, I would still do it. Yeah, 100%. Because for me... I enjoy it. I get a lot of joy out of just doing the podcast. I get to talk to a lot of great people. I've met a lot of great people. Uh, we have had some success in getting some return on investment, but that's the last thing I focus on. I just like having great conversations with people I find interesting and I enjoy it thoroughly. So that's something that, you know, that I love. And what we try to do is go deep with engaging guests that I feel people that know me, whether it be me personally, you know, we have a lot of hockey people on, uh, whether it be entrepreneurs who know me as a business person and are interested in diving deep into, you know, on people's entrepreneurial journeys, uh, or lastly on the mental health front, it's something that's very important to me and in my life. And, you know, we've been big promoters of it, talking about it and, and you know, we, pretty much put our guests in those three categories. So I try to kind of, you know, lead conversations that are going to be helpful to others uh, through those three kind of main channels, if you will. Let's dive into like the mental, the mental health front, because, uh, you know, as we've transitioned from the pre-COVID world to the post-COVID world, where there's more folks working remotely, more folks that are interacting less frequently uh, in person with coworkers, and as we've also seen a shift of a traditional 1950 household where the male is the breadwinner and the wife stays home to something that reflects the career world where 38% of households now have breadwinners led by women or the majority of American households are dual income. 
and and most of us are i'm in that boat right we both we both have a job that brings about a tremendous amount of stress when you have had these conversations with mental health professionals what have you found to be some of the key triggers to men struggling and how have they worked through some of those problems Again, I, I, I want to say in full disclosure, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical pr- uh, practitioner, I'm not a therapist even, I don't have any of those degrees. So anything that I'm talking about uh, with, with you gentlemen today is really from my own personal uh, circumstances, my own personal education, and my own personal conversations with with folks. Um, and, and I would say to, to that question, is you know there's always stresses in in life you know even if you go back 40 years the stresses were a little bit different i don't think they were the same as today but i still feel that there was stress there and the only difference between me or somebody else that struggles and has issues in that regard is really the way my brain processes it and, you know, may process it different than that other individual and, you know, my outlook, my mindset, et cetera. So there are a lot of those things at work. Um, what I've been told is there are certain things that, you know, sh- people should be doing in order to reduce that level of stress and, and kind of work on their mindset. And I, and I think that there are two different kind of questions underlying in what you're saying. I think first question is, you know, how do you take care of yourself from a mental health standpoint? And then I think secondarily, the second question is if you are a, uh, a male in a situation where, you know, your wife is the breadwinner, cause you're saying that's happening in 38% of the, the situation, you know, that might be a different methodology to kind of approach that, right? Because the traditional things, I think the things that will help you with stress will also help you with that, but there also may need to be a little bit of a mindset shift there as well. Uh, But in terms of that, I think, you know, exercise is very important. Diet is very important. Being grateful, you know, having a gratitude journal can be very helpful. You know, there are a lot of things, meditation, which Mm -hmm. I've tried and continue to try again. I'll see if I can make it work, but it has, you know, I haven't been able to kind of get into that groove yet. But I mean, there are very simple things that can be done on, on a regular basis that will help you reduce that stress level and maybe allow you to deal with it a little bit differently. And I don't think anything's really outside the box. I think a lot of times people try it. They, you know, maybe try it two, three times. It doesn't work. And then they move on. And it's really something that you have to get into a habit of doing it for 30, 60, 90, 180 days, Mm. and then really Mm -hmm. see how it works. You know, and I think all these methods that I kind of, you know, spoke about, you know, uh, it doesn't replace medication per se. There are people that need medication regardless. But if if you're on that borderline, you know, medication is going to take a while to work into your system. So why not try a different way if you're in a position and can do that and it makes sense and your doctor says it's worth your, your while to try it. Why not try those methods uh, first? Um, and then in terms of, you know, the male-female dynamic that you mentioned earlier, you know, listen, there are certain situations that uh, it's just not going to work, right? If you're, if you're fundamentally, you believe that your spouse, if your spouse is a woman, can't be the breadwinner and, you know, there may not be an availability to change that mindset shift, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of you being open to it, you know, listen, I was always of the ilk with, with my wife, you know, two young boys, 
it was like, you know, there were times where her business and her career outshined mine. And there are times where, you know, through our marriage, that mine has outshone hers. And we've always kind of taken the mindset that it really didn't matter who was doing it. Let's just do it together, you know? Right, right. And the great thing about us and what worked for us was, you know, when I was starting to uh, build my practice and and we were just getting started out, her, her business was doing very well. So she has afforded me and afforded me the availability and the ability to be where I am today. And, you know, that's a mindset shift. I don't see the issue with it. So it's even hard for me to understand why somebody would. You know, I don't think that we should be attaching ourselves to our careers and our profession and our you know and our self-worth should be there. You know, I just said to somebody the other day on my show, I asked them, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today? And she thought that was a great question because she's like, you didn't ask me what I do for a living and explain mm-hmm. to me what I do in the working world because so many of us try to identify or have a tendency to identify ourselves and our worth with our work. And we're, as humans, we're so much more than that. That's not our identity. Yeah, yeah. It's just part of us, you know? You know, we talk about, uh, you know, I'm not allowed, we we talk about, you know, people talk about work-life balance. I think that that's garbage. I don't think there should be such thing as work-life balance. It should be work-life harmony. Everything should be getting along together. It shouldn't be one or the other, you know, work-life balance gives you the impression that one has to give and one has to take. And I don't think it should be that. I think everything should work in harmony together and we'd be, you know, much better, less stressful and uh, in a much better place, I think, mentally uh, throughout the world. That is a terrific answer. I love that your approach. I love the fact that uh, your, your answer, by the way, of you and your wife taking turns on who the breadwinner is and that that the idea of that you're just supporting one another. um, We continue to find that to be uh, you know, very, the majority of couples that we've had conversations with. Uh, But, but I want to, I want to turn to uh, your, what you do um, during the day. Uh, I can't, I don't, I don't know where you find the hours to, to manage a podcast and, and uh, manage a company, but, but in your time and in working with clients, how do you advise them to tie together joy and happiness into their financial management decisions, into their financial plan? What's what's your strategy there? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that everything that stems from a financial plan, I think in our profession, a lot of advisors tie everything back to the investments, the dollars and the cents. And I think that that is a grave mistake, you know, in my opinion. I think, you know, the way we kind of view here, you know, things here as a, as an organization and the reason why I can do all the things you mentioned is I have a great team behind me. Unbelievable. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to be here talking to you now, but um, so that's super helpful. But in terms of the planning, the investments and the dollars and cents, that's just really a vehicle for them to do what they really want to do in life. You know, that's all it really is. So it's really about us working with the families we serve to understand what financial freedom means to them. And that that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And it changes over time and figuring out what those things are that you know, in their minds going to give them that financial freedom. What do they need to see? What do they need to be doing? What do they need to be, 
you know, able to do, you know, what are their goals and objectives and then structuring everything around those things. It's, it's almost like Simon Sinek's why, you know, figure out that why, and then put everything around it. And that's what we try to do. We then build the, the plan. We build their portfolio around mm-hmm. that. And, you know, listen, we cannot control what goes on in the markets. They're going to go up and down, you know, however they go based upon market events, economy, et cetera. You know, our goal there is to create this plan that's going to be time tested. And you know what? It may not, it may have some challenges during times like this, but ultimately in the long run, they're going to be continually working towards finding their financial freedom, which, you know, is the important piece. And I think the other important thing is when you're working with couples, that you're not taking direction and having the conversation with one half of the couple. You have to have the same conversation in the same meaningful way with both spouses. And it doesn't matter you know, if the, the wife takes the lead on the financials of the house or the husband takes the lead, whoever is the non- lead taker needs to be involved in those conversations and those decisions as much as the person who's taking the lead. So I think that's the last piece to the puzzle is they both have to have a common interest. They have both have to have a common, um, you know, involvement in the process because otherwise you're just building towards one of their financial freedoms and not really them collectively as a couple, which I think in the in the short run might work out okay. In the long run, I'm fairly confident it's going to be a big mistake and it's going to fall apart at some point. So Lawrence, you've talked a lot about uh, mental health and stress and what kind of drives joy. Um, and we know you and your wife have raised about uh, 1.5 million. Uh, congratulations on that to go Thank towards uh, suicide prevention efforts. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about about the efforts for that uh, fundraising and kind of what drives that passion? Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the end first. And I mean, the passion comes from, we lost my wife's brother, uh, Keith Milano, to suicide in uh, September of 2004. So we're just past the 18th anniversary of his passing. And, you know, one of the things that we made a commitment to him for, too, when when he passed was we weren't going to let him go quietly and we were going to raise awareness and help others. And over the course of the 18 years, that million and a half dollars, I will tell you, plus, you know, we would not have been able to do it on our own. It was a tremendous community that helped us raise that money. Some of it was our own personal uh, funds that we have donated. Um, but the vast majority of the monies that have been raised really come from two areas. One was a golf outing that we ran for about 10 years that uh, was spearheaded by myself and my brother-in-law's company that he worked for prior to his passing. And that had kind of run its course after about 10 years. And now it's been taken on by romance authors, you know, romance uh, Mm. book authors. Uh, They approached my wife uh, several years ago about donating a portion of the proceeds, one author in particular, for her book that she was releasing in May for Mental Health Awareness Month. And long story short, that snowball, we've raised about $30,000 in 2022, maybe $40,000, and had about 40, 35, 40 authors that took part in that. Um, and then we also have a lot of people that just donate from time to time because they know what we're doing and what we what we're about. Um, so we've been very we're very grateful for the community that we've kind of tapped into that has 
helped us facilitate and raise that kind of money. Uh, I will tell you what doesn't go in the bio, though, that is more important to my wife and I than the money is we know for a fact because we've become these de facto resources for people if they're struggling or have a family member that's struggling, they come to us to help them help their loved one or help them help themselves. Uh, We know for a fact that we have saved lives as a result. Um, And that, forget about the money, that's much more important to us than any amount of money that we could raise. Um, You know, one one of the things I would say, you know, personal story, I was sitting on the couch uh, about four or five weeks ago, got a call from an unknown number. I almost didn't pick it up. And my 19 year old was like, dad, you got to pick it up, pick it up. And it didn't say spam. So I picked it up and it was a friend of mine's wife who lives in Florida her friend who lives on Long Island, where I am, uh, was putting some very concerning remarks on Facebook about her her uh, mental health and mm-hmm. and possibly you know harming herself. And she was very concerned, needed to know where to go. So we sent her some resources. Long story short, is they got her somebody there to help her out. She went to uh, some counseling and went to inpatient therapy. She's alive today. You know, maybe that doesn't happen. Had we not, you know, gotten that call and I didn't pick, you know, I picked it up. So those are things, you know, the money is great and we appreciate everybody. Can't put a value on that. Can't put a value on that. And that far exceeds any dollar amount that we would ever raise. Knowing that and knowing the others that we have saved along the way is, uh, you know, is we're very grateful for that. We we would like to to help. Do you have a donation link we can share on our website when we post the web this podcast? Yeah, if you go to keithmilano.org. It's, uh, you know, just the way it's spelled and Milano, like the cookie, uh, there's a donate now button right there. And, uh, anytime anybody donates there, we also get a report so we can, you know, thank them appropriately as well. We'll, we'll be sure to include that link. Appreciate thank, that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, have you in meeting with your, your clients, have you seen kind of a pattern of men who connect their own self-worth, uh, with their financial net worth? And and if so, how how do you how do you manage that? Because I'm 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 assuming that that could be a problem in in some marriages. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think that ultimately that's always a concern. We we haven't seen very much of that that puts us on a on a concern level. But you know, there are certainly I, I think you know I I think now you know in 2022 it's becoming a little bit less of an issue than maybe it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, for sure. That's Um, good. You know, we haven't seen many, many instances where, you know, we're concerned that that's their ultimate goal, that it's a status or, you know, some type of uh, self-worth situation. Uh, There are some certain situations that, you know, I believe people, you know, they hit rough patches just like anybody does. Right. And, and we have one family in particular that I could think of where the husband's been out of work for a very long time and financially they're not in as good a shape as they were. And he's having, you know, some struggles and, you know, he reached out to us and we put him in touch with some people to hopefully assist and help him through that. Uh, But I, I think much of that is, is situational. We haven't seen anybody 
any of the families that we work with that say, hey, I need to have this net worth because this is what I need and this is where I want to be. Um, and even if they do, we try to drill down into, okay, if you want that, what is that going to ultimately mean? Because if it's just money sitting in a bank, so you could say, you know, print out an ATM statement and show that on, on the receipt, I don't know that that's a great reason to do it. So we try to dig deeper into under, uh, into the underlying reasons as to why they feel that they need that, uh, you know, s- amount of wealth. And usually it's tied to something that they've experienced when they were a kid, you know, not having money, running out of money, or, you know, mom or dad being put into a long-term care facility, running up big bills and, and putting the family in debt. Usually it's tied to something else. And the status thing is the perceived, hey, this is why I need it. And in reality, it's really some fear of something else going in their life that they're mm. really saying they need that money for. At least that's been our experience. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lawrence. Um, we, we do like to end our show typically with a simple idea to make our listeners smarter on the topic we've discussed today. So With that in mind, what's one thing you want our listeners to remember from today's episode? Yeah, I think, listen, if you want to have good mental health, you got to take care of yourself. And what we talk about here is we talk about the three-legged stool. And if you take any one of those legs out, it's stressful and it's problematic. And you have to make sure that you're watching out for your physical health, your financial health, and your mental health. Those are the three things and they're very interconnected and intertwined and you have to, you have to feed them all equally. And I would just tie this back to, you know, the, the significant other and the spouse, you have to be on the same page because if you're not on the same page, that's going to affect at least one, if not multiple of those uh, legs on the stool. So it's important that you get on the same page, even if it's just having an understanding of what the other person's going through, what their ideas are, but you have to have some cohesive cohesiveness to, to make that all work and the stool stand the test of time for you and your family. Thank you so much for, for coming in today. Um, it has been enlightening. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Lawrence. Christian, Dr. Ross, and I thank our listeners and our guest. Please be sure to go to modernhusbands.com where you can subscribe to our podcast. You can listen to our podcast in whatever platform you prefer, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or even on YouTube. Until next time, be well.